Down by the bay, I like to play a six-string song. Up comes the sun, and it's looking for fun. I know it won't be long. There's a girl that's so yummy. Yeah, she looks in my tummy And that's when I knew I'm just a fat guy in a Hawaiian shirt I ain't that great, but I could be worse If I drink a lot, oh, my head does hurt Cause I'm a fat guy That's right, I am. And welcome finally back, everybody, to the Love Florida Realtor Podcast. I am your host, Mark Hanover, with Keller Williams, Peace River Partners in Port Charlotte and Punta Gorda, Florida. I am so happy to be back with you guys. Uh, I have just been busy out of my gourd with the market, as you can imagine, the last uh, few months here. If you're going to be quarantined, you might as well be quarantined in Florida, right? And I'm thinking that's probably a lot of the thought process that went into what's been going on here lately. Um, but we are back showcasing Southwest Florida, uh, as well as the Punta Gorda, Port Charlotte area, which is, uh, as everybody knows, I'm very well documented. This is my absolute favorite part of the country, and I am privileged enough to be able to live here and share it with fantastic people and uh, that do fascinating things all the time which is one of the reasons why I want to do this podcast so I can bring this stuff to you guys and see what we have. Hopefully you'll come on down here. Um, and that leads us directly into our guest today out of Inglewood, Florida, which is maybe about less than a half hour drive from where I live in Port Charlotte. Uh, Dave Sines is a trop rock artist. He owns a label, a record label where he actually produces people and advertises them and all that other kind of fun stuff. MFG music for grownups. No, it's not a acronym for some kind of cuss word or something. Um, he also is a trap rock artist and, uh, as well as many other things, Dave is one of those people you could best describe as an onion that keeps going and going in different little layers. Um, he is one of those really fascinating people that seems to have been everywhere and done everything and seemingly know everyone, as you will uh, very quickly find out as you listen to the podcast. It's it's stunning some of the things that he's done, uh, some of the folks that he's met, some of the name dropping is amazing. And uh, he has had a really fascinating life. And he has a few really great projects coming up, which you're going to hear more about here very shortly. And I was just uh, pleased as punch and still happy to have uh, not only made his acquaintance, but made him a friend of mine. And then after all of this, on top of all that really cool stuff, he is also the husband of the incomparable Beth Travers, who is a number one chart topping trot 40 artist. And that's going to be another interview later on where I sit down with those two. That'll be really fun. Um, Beth, I really look forward to that. But without further ado, Mr. Dave Signs. Enjoy, guys. Okay, Radio A1A, this is Mark Hanover here, and we are with Mr. Dave Signs. How are you today, Dave? I'm doing good, Mark. How are you? Doing great. Nice to see you. It is nice to see you. It's, we've been planning on doing this for a while now. I know, right? <laughs> Life comes at you at Life a high does. rate of speed, and you oh just adjust as you go. Yeah, the market sucked me up. Oh yeah, it'll do that. Months and months and months. Oh my gosh! So yeah. it's it's good to finally be back in the saddle again. Yeah, good. Well, so I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're here today. I am too. Thank you, and thank you for having me. By the oh, way. Oh, you're very welcome. So we're here to talk about you. 
you Gosh. and what you do. So when I are... do that, my wife says, "Hey, this is all about me." <laughs> well, just saying. Not today. Not today. Today, this all is, right. This, this is, is Dave's my... time. All right. Absolutely. So. Uh, let's just do a quick synopsis. Who is Dave Signs? Oh, Dave Signs is a longtime uh, musician, Nashville uh, record producer, session player, studio owner. Built marinas for a while. Um, pretty much spent my life either sailing a boat or making a record on someone. And I got uh, to the point where I was tired of making records on the rest of the world. Decided to make a few of myself. And um, we obviously live in the center of Trop Rock down here in Florida, so we started mm -hmm. putting them out uh, on some some of our friends first. Then on uh, my wife, Beth Travers, and then on myself and Rudy Cox and some other people. Uh, even do some Western music for some folks up in the uh, Pacific Northwest and the Upper Midwest, some cowboy music. Wow. That we, are, we have a label called MFG Records. Okay. Stands for Music for Grownups. Or those who really don't really ever want to. E wow. Either way. That's, yeah. But, uh, broad so, term. Broad, a very broad term and very yeah, very loosely put out there. The grown-ups yeah. part especially. Yeah, yeah, right? say, wait a minute. Yeah. Maybe maybe in age and stature, but beyond that, not so much. Say, I might be out of my depth on this now. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm, cool. I've definitely probably spent a few more years on the earth than you have, but uh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, trust me, trust me, Mike. Yeah, yeah, getting there. Yeah. But, well, cool. Well, um, let's go ahead and start off with uh, your current trap rock action. So what are you doing with uh, Trop Rock? Right? Okay, well, so I, I have a CD out called Latitude Adjustment, which you probably are aware of to some degree. It's got a lot, some of the tunes off it got a lot of airplay. It was my first radio uh, release on MFG mm -hmm. um, into the Trop Rock world. Um, and I'm, um, I'm working on a new project. Matter of fact, Wednesday, um, I've got some buds coming over, uh, Jax Bowers, who plays a lot of Trop Rock. Mm -hmm. who I've drugged to Nashville a couple of times and put him under the gun and he's he's fine. And then a, a friend of ours, Stick Davis, who's a bass player from the Amazing Rhythm Aces, been there for years. I worked with John Mayall, Blues Breakers, and so I have all really, you know, guys who played like me. We, we were young and had no money together in the late 70s or mid-70s and through the 80s, mm -hmm. and we all kind of came up together. So it's fun at, at this point of our lives to play music on ourselves and just what we want to play. So we'll be doing that. Um, my first CD was a lot of, um, it's, it's got a, a pretty good R&B feel to parts mm -hmm. of it, because I grew up in Michigan. And until I was 14 years old, I didn't know there was anything else in the world besides black gospel and and, and uh, Motown. You know, I, I mean, that's what was on the radio up there. I could see so, that, yeah. yeah, very easily. So I have a big influence in that, but also my mother was a big country music fan. So I listened to country music on Saturday, whether I wanted to or not. And then I moved, um, to Nashville, got involved in the music scene there, and so on and so forth, and spent, gosh, a really long time there. So what prompted the move to Nashville? Actually, I, I was uh, about 16, and I took a job with a contemporary Christian band that had a, um, a record deal, had a record deal, and they had a, a hit record out in that genre of music. And I was somewhat of a child prodigy keyboard player, and I, so I became their keyboard player, and then kind of morphed from that into um, country music and, mm -hmm. and the session world and uh, spent really the rest of my career more than anything making records on people I've made a lot of records and been part of part of the group that made records on a lot of a lot of folks as a bunch of my my buddies have worked with a lot of different artists been on some really fun tours and sounds so, like yeah yeah it sounds pretty amazing fun. so I got involved in trop rock because I, I I like the music I went in I think in 19. 
around 1993. I went okay. to Cayman Islands with uh, Earl Thomas Conley and Johnny Russell, who I worked with for years from the Grand Ole Opry. Mm -hmm. And we did a show down there. Um, and where we were staying, the Barefoot Man was playing at the hotel we were just out on the beach. I went, that's kind of fun. And he had some cassette tapes at the time. So I bought some of his cassette tapes to listen to in my sailboat when I sailed. And we used to, so I worked at Grand Opry for years as a, as a musician, and I worked for one of the artists, Johnny Russell. Mm -hmm. And we would go do our Opry spot, which would be Friday, you know, it would be, you'd get over, Friday it ran from like 7 to 10.30, and then Saturday was a double show. And we always worked the first spot. We were a guest on Roy Acuff's show, and then we, we hosted the last spot on the second show. So there's always about four hours between. We would just go out to the sailboat and hang out and sail, listen to music, listen to the opera. You could tell when you had to be wow. back by who was on the air. So that was, you know, for years and years and years, that was that was my life. And my, my kids grew up backstage at the opera and, you know, TV studios there and national stuff. And it was very much fun. But I got into trop rock and I loved it. And my wife was friends with Jack Mosley. And Jack had lived in Nashville and um, was a songwriter. And my wife was a songwriter for a Universal Polygram for years. Mm -hmm. And... Um, we we bought a house in Arcadia, Florida, years ago, and we'd come over here to the coast to go to the beach and whatever. Mm -hmm. And we finally, when it came time to, we were like, okay, let's retire. Let's like not work as hard as we used to. We bought this place here and we built the studio here. Um, and um, Beth played for about a year with Jack. He was trying to get a band back together a little bit. So mm -hmm. she she was also a bass player. She she had been in Ray Stevens' band. We had actually met out working. On a package show with Razzy Bailey and Percy Sledge, and I was playing B3 and piano, and she's a bass player. Wow. And what got us, I mean, the music was what we did, but there was all these boats there, and what got us talking was somehow it came up about all these houseboats are beautiful, but if one of them was a sailboat, it'd be really cool. And she's like, I, I said, Oh, do you, you like to sail? She said, Yeah, I grew up sailing on Long Island Sound. So I'm like, I've got a sailboat. She's got. A, she's like, I've got a boyfriend. I said, Well, you can bring him. We always need crew to, to you know, cuss at. So, anyway, we became friends and eventually, you know, uh, got in a relationship and ended up getting married. But she, through Jack Mosley, who turned me out of the real trop rock world. I, I just mm -hmm. knew about uh, Jimmy Buffett, obviously, and um, yeah. knew about that's uh, the easy one. Yeah, right. Barefoot Man and Kenny Chesney. You know, and I, one of my friends is the managing partner and No Shoes Radio. So, okay, I know, I'm, I. I knew that it was out there, but I didn't know the world that exists that I'm involved in now. I didn't know it was there. I, right. I had no idea. I didn't know anything about Radio A1A or um, folks like Jack or um, Sonny Jim. Oh yeah. Although I was I was lightly aware of Sonny Jim just through the uh, was it the movie The Firm? Mm -hmm. I think yeah. So I was lightly aware of Sonny Jim, but I started listening to what was out there. I thought, man, there's a lot of really good songs, but there's really a lot of bad recordings. Seriously, and I I said I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm going to put some good recordings out. I know? love that. So, thank you. Know, you. I use the guys that I use still. I mean, um, my my stable of players are like Dave Rorick. Um, it goes by Dave Rowe, but Dave and I have known each other uh, probably nearly 40 years. He spent I don't maybe 15 or 18 years with Johnny Cash. He spent wow. about 10 years with Dwight Yoakam. Wow. He, he's agree. Yeah, yeah. These Packers. guys. Oh, yeah. He's he's uh, on all Carrie Underwood's last four or five CDs. He just finished doing CeeLo Green and Taj Mahal. Great bass player. Um, I also use Stick Davis, who, like I say, was with uh, John Mayle and Blues Breakers and the original bass player and um, Amazing Rhythm Aces. Mm -hmm. um, drummer, we used a couple, three different drummers up there. The original drummer from 
Do you remember the song Wildfire? She ran calling Wildfire. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry Wilkins, Wilkins, Wilkinson and I have been friends for years, and he, he's he's a wonderful drummer. So I have a, I have a, like three different drummers, three different bass players, two or three different guitar players, and we mix it up just so that things sound different, you know. Good. I use different combinations, but all all very high level players, and I myself play. Like I said, played sessions for years. You can find me on Johnny Paycheck Records and a lot of Razzie Bailey records, and I spent, like I said, 20 years at the Opry mm-hmm. with an artist named Johnny Russell, subbed for a lot of other people. I've got, I actually draw a retirement from there. That's oh, I've, wow. I've, there, I've, I've probably played it well over 4,000 times. Wow. Really, I mean, that was a big part of my career. And it was great for the studio business because you could go from, you, you, I had clients, I always, I really wasn't a songwriter person. I did, I was doing albums on people. So if I had people from out of town, I'd carry them out to the opera with me on a Friday and Saturday night and they're digging it. You know, mm-hmm. they're there for a couple of weeks and we do a project. So it was very fun. But again, I, I digress. Back to back to your original question about the current trap rock. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's fun. I, I've always been a sailor. Enjoy that whole vibe. You know, I discovered all the people at marinas are pretty much the same people that come to the shows. Yep. So it's, it was like an, an easy transition. And the music is interesting to me because um, I, I don't have any one type of, any one genre of music. When I say genre, I mean style. Like maybe country or sure. bluegrass or R&B or pop that I, that I like better than the other. I like it all. And I've recorded so many different types of acts over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, my my field is pretty wide. And that's one of the things I really like about trap rock. There's, man, there is everything in trap rock from R and B to blues. Yeah. That's what I always liked about Christian music as a kid was the fact that it had everything in it, you know. So trap rock is, I, I personally find the people a little more genuine than I did in my when I was a kid in the the other field of music I started in. And I obviously played country for years because there's lots of it in Nashville, but there's also tons of. Tons. So um, in, in the current trap rock field, there's so many different genres or styles within that genre of music and uh, again I I just had a desire to make good recordings which is what I've spent my life doing I you know again so many good artists and one of the things I know because I made recordings when I was young I started recording when I was about 13 probably Mm -hmm. and in those days and it's still true a lot and I see this in the trap rock world and I've talked with Harry T at length about this and some other some other uh, folks at, at other radio stations and at um, other artists to make a really good record costs a lot of money mm-hmm. and the, 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 there's a misconception about it when if you go to Nashville to make a record nowadays just a custom record right you, you've got your 10 songs you get somebody who, who produces and helps you do it up there and it's and there's a lot of folks that do it and do it well. You have maybe a week in the studio, and the studios are different than they used to be. A lot of times they're in people's homes and stuff, but you've got the expense of traveling. You can only stay gone so long. So um, what happens? The, there's a lot of great players in Nashville, as everybody knows. That's why it's such a big recording center, but the players can blow it out and do it right, and they don't take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Okay, But you get usually a day to sing. And then if there's any other background vocals or something, they'll come in in the morning. And then often they mix without you there. Or they mix they mix with you and it's quick. And in a week you're done. And you send the thing off to be pressed and that's your CD. I made those when I was young. I was, they were all on vinyl then. There were no CDs. Yeah. Cassettes weren't even cool then. Eight tracks were big. But um, <laughs> you get them back and you go, man, why didn't somebody tell me that was I was out of tune? Or why did, right. 
the, the problem with the records that are being made um, is, is the expense of being able to have time ahead of time. So you go to Nashville, right? You meet the guy the night before, he ups right charts, and the guys come in, you, you go, wow, these musicians are great, and you get back home, and you, you love everything about it except for your part, right? And I've talked to a lot of artists that have had that experience, and like I say, when I was younger, I've had experience myself, but our goal here, and my goal with the records that I make nowadays, I, I'm not someone you can hire to make a record on you, it's not what I do. Mm -hmm. um, if, if I make a record on you, I've signed you to the MFG record label, and we, put, we pay for all the studio. If you're going to have to pay f for what we do, studio time is about a hundred bucks an hour in a good studio with with a producer and whatever, mm -hmm. or, or it can be a lot more than that. But you know, I spend two hundred to two hundred fifty hours on every CD that I do, so players are going to cost you four or five thousand bucks to get good to get good high quality players. And it's not that they can play better than a lot of people; it's just that they know how to make records, right. and it's a different it's a different thing. So. Um, you can't make the records I'm making with if you don't have thirty or thirty-five thousand dollars to spend. I mean, right. you, you can't do it. Um, and there's a lot of good attempts at it out there, and uh, there's some very talented people. Donnie Brewer's making great stuff. I don't, I don't know if you've heard this stuff, but after after a while, it's it's all Donnie Brewer, right? You know, so what Donnie can think of, and he's super talented, man. He's a great singer, and he's a very talented guy, and I, I really respect him, and I think he's one of the guys who can, who's part of the future of rock rock I agree but um, when you put these guys under the gun with some players that can play not just what they hear and what they feel but they can play what you hear and what you feel and make it sound and feel like you got it in your head it's they, they're mind readers right they get it that's a whole nother animal I, I put some well-known players under the gun that, that couldn't sure you know what so they do is wonderful but when you take when you take that away from them and go can you do what I need you to do so a lot of those guys who do that may not be names you recognize, but when you start looking at what records they're on or what they've done, the artists they work with, you're like, whoa. Right. You know. So let's pump the brakes on that for a second here, because okay. you kind of touched, uh, not a nerve, but we'll call it a nerve with me, because I'm always fascinated with behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. Um, and as a music novice, obviously I love it. Obviously I love trap rock and, and most of everything else that you were saying and more. Um, you don't hear a lot about the nuts and bolts about making albums and what goes into making albums and stuff like that. I mean, my musical experience is playing trombone when I was 13. Um, so you just said how long to make a record? I spend between 200 and 250 hours. And I'll walk you through the process if you want to know. Well, before we do that, yeah. and I would like you to, um, you know, for the, the listeners, think about that, 250 hours. Yeah. You know, average work week everyone considers to be 40 hours, not for yeah. not for us anyway. Yeah. But, um, that is an amazing amount of time. And so whenever, you know, just for, again, our listeners, because they hear it all the time, maybe it gets driven home with some of them, maybe not. When you hear these guys asking you to please pay the dollar for the song, yes, <laughs> for the download, um, or yeah. to please uh, go to their website and buy, buy, the, the, CD. buy the CD for 13 bucks or, or whatever it is. Right. You know, let's really sit down and consider, you know, this man just said that he's going to spend 250 hours of his own life recording this for you. So let's let, let's pay these people. But anyway, yeah. Hey, friends and neighbors, before we go on, I'd like to talk about a very special company, Exora Galora. That's right, I said Exora Galora. 
If you're in need of landscaping services such as bed and border planning and design, planting, weeding, mulching, trimming, landscape upkeep, and much more, Exoric Laura is the right call for you to make if you live in the Charlotte County, Florida area. I've seen some serious yard transformations just from Susie weeding, much less the stellar yard design she comes up with. For service you can't ignore, call Exora Galora at 803-606-6105. Again, that's 803-606-6105. Or visit her on Facebook by searching for Exora Galora. That's spelled I-X-O-R-A-G-A-L-O-R-A. So the process, which, and this is true, if if you work as a producer for a major label, which I I have done those things, you know, and you work with a major artist, I I treat the artist that I'm working with in MFG currently the same way. The first thing we're going to do is get to know each other, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to have lunch, we're going to have dinner, we're going to see if we can stand each other. Because it's not, music is all about emotion in my world, you know, you can make someone feel a certain emotion in a lot of different ways. So you have to start there and, and see if you got a vibe that's going to work. And, um, and then, you know, I, I know folks go, okay, I've done with all my stuff, I'll send it to you so you can, I'm like, no, 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 I want you to sit on a chair and look at me and play it on your guitar. I don't play for a while, I don't care. I want to hear what you do, I want to see your face. Because after about the third song, you kind of forget that we're sitting there and we're three foot apart and you'll start to close your eyes and I'll start to be able to read your body language and I'll understand what you feel. And then we'll roll back. And then I, I write all these. I write charts. I actually write arrangements. So it's not put guys in the room, hey, what about this? What about this? Mm-hmm. Before we ever start, I've painted the picture. So by the time we get to the studio with the musicians, I've already spent 20 or 30 hours with that artist. And all that time is what we call pre-production. It's about getting to know each other, making sure, okay, we talk about different possibilities and what the arrangement might be, what instruments. I always say, what in your perfect band, if you had any band you want, what would you tour with? Well, that's what they are hearing in their head. Mm-hmm. So those are the guys I'm going to, that's what I start, there's where I start. I Figure always have a, a picture um, in my mind of, for example, this picture on the wall over here of the sunset and the palm trees. Mm-hmm. So for every song, I already have a picture in my mind that, the, and the artist and I try to have the same picture because I'm cutting his record, not mine. I can cut it my way anytime I want. I have a studio, mm-hmm. right? So what I try to do is is go, okay, here's the, when the players get here. Again, we're already 20 hours in. We've agreed on the chart. So when when, they, when you get in the studio and the artist's not used to going as fast as the players, if he changes something, the guys look at you and go, there is no waste of time. So like, no, the chart is right. Read the chart. Right. You know, we've already gone through all this and agreed on it. Sometimes a new, fresh idea will come up from the players and go, hey, we know. It's like, okay, so we'll all make it a note on our chart and change it and that happens and that's the that's the beauty of having multiple players where a lot of the sessions that I see happening one day recently a, a friend of mine and I won't mention any names someone I know um, who's good a good artist and, and his product is good I listen to it but he recorded it with his guitar and um, and one person and then they sent it and this is this is to me what's ruined the recording business around making records they sent it to like five different people right okay and Everyone put their part on what they thought would be right, and all good, all good musicians. And when you get it back, it sounds good, but it doesn't sound to me, and to the friends of my era that played sessions, it doesn't sound like the records that we like to hear because 
there was there was nobody going this and here's back to the picture so the picture on the wall I'd be going okay guys we're painting a sunset right palm tree coming off the beach some light waves okay that's it so bass player drummer give me those light waves and that that sand there it's going to be basically like this boom give me your best version of it because I'm not a drummer so I might get something just a little different a little cooler but these guys you know same thing okay I want the guys I want to hire the guys who can paint the best um, beach and waves that I can hire for the money because scale is scale you, you can hire anybody right. it doesn't matter if, if they've never played on a record if they played on a zillion records scale everybody still gets paid the same money so I get another misconception people don't realize well you couldn't hire that guy he's sure you can't call trust me you Dahl Grisham, those guys, right? Mm -hmm. Good guys. They're playing with Buffett. You can send a thing. They'll put their part on it. Right. Nobody's getting rich in this business. It's it's a misconception if anybody thinks that. But again, I, I'm, I'm going to go to, okay, I'm on a palm tree hanging out there. So, um, guitar player, can you paint me a palm tree? I already know there's going to be a palm tree. Paint me a palm tree that's better than I could paint. And you go, hey, I've got three coconuts on it. How perfect. And that's kind of how it goes. So you start with a picture. So, so we've done all that work before we start. Mm -hmm. Then we get in with the players, and we just work our way through it. We'll spend a day. I always cut what I call rhythm tracks. So I cut with four pieces. I cut with a drummer, a bass player, a guitar player. And I most of the time work from keys. I'm a keyboard player primarily. I play guitar too, but I'm, I'm a sucky electric player. I play pretty good acoustic. but And I direct from there, right? And... And usually the keyboard parts are scratch parts. I'm trying to get the rhythm section down, the foundation. Just like it's just like building a house, or just mm -hmm. like if you ever watched, who was the dude that used to paint on public TV? No, Bob Ross. Bob. It's just like yeah. watching Bob. You do all this stuff, and then the next thing you do, make four strokes. You go, whoa! Right. It's this, it's like that. So we lay the foundation, and um, what I so I just said we. I'd be remiss to not mention that my wife Beth Travers is my partner in all this um, mm -hmm. in MFG Records and we produced together now, I was producing for years before I met here but since we've been married which has been plus 20 years now we've made a lot of records on people together and she's very fun because she has a different we're from different parts of the world and she sees and thinks of things that I wouldn't again it's that right that conglomeration of everybody's and we hire certain people because they'll feed us ideas all day 90% of them will go no 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 they don't get the feelings for it. They keep feeding us their ideas. And when we they feed one, it's like, oh, yeah, let's do that. So that's the cool thing about studio players. And I'm like, well, I thought that part was really cool. Well, it was, but it belongs in a country. It belongs in the country, not at the ocean. Not here. Or it yeah. Right, you know, so they totally get it. Anyway, so we get in the studio, and we'll spend a day cutting rhythm tracks. Maybe we may break it into two days if we're actually cutting ten tunes. Um, and then... The, the next day, usually I will spend, just go back with the artist, walk through everything, uh, get good scratch vocals. I want to, usually they, they will struggle to keep up somewhere. And I just clean, because usually they'll play like an acoustic guitar and a guide vocal. Mm -hmm. So we clean that up. And then we should start building on that foundation. And when we've got all those tracks done, which usually in about three days or four days, I can get all the musicians done exactly the way we want them. Um, and then, usually, now if you go to do a custom session in Nashville, what you're going to get is you, you'll get that you'll get that same process, but you're not going to get the pre-production, right? You're going to get talk to that guy for four hours, three hours to write charts if you're lucky, and then you got to go have dinner with your wife and kids. 
Right. And they only got so much time to be there, so it's how you do it, you know? Right. Um, but once we get to that point, then we just take a break from it. We just let it set for a week. Again, if you're flying to Nashville to do this, you can see where the expense starts to happen. Sure. Even if you're in someone's home studio that's a good home studio, there's a lot of them there. I mean, ours is that way now. We had a commercial room. We sold the building and bought all the gear to the house and Airbnb our upstairs up there and our whole downstairs is a studio and a small apartment for ourselves when we're there back and forth. So it's not as much space as we once had. But we have, you know, high-end terrific gear everywhere. Mm -hmm. But so then you come back and by the time, because what happens when you're recording, you, you know, it's easy to get tunnel vision on one thing. Oh, I heard that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I went, wait, forget about that. We'll come back to it. Mm -hmm. So you come back and you've kind of forgotten all that stuff and you listen and sometimes you go, oh, that's not as, I sound better than I thought it did. But we start then getting real vocals. And I don't, really don't want the guy to, or, or the gal to sing all the vocals in one day. I want to work on maybe three or four songs. Usually vocals for me are about three different five-hour sessions. I was going to ask that because it's hard to believe that you can knock out 13 songs in two days or something. Oh, you know wow. I mean? like, you should talk to Rudy Cox sometimes. We took Rudy to Nashville and he'd record before. I don't know if you've heard Rudy's CD. I'll get you a copy if you don't have it, but it's outstanding. We sent it to around Mark Friedman and said, wow, this should be this is the Marks from the Trop Rock. Is that, is that Mark Friedman? The uh, Trop Rock Music Association. I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beth could tell you. And he said, this should be the CD of the year. Hmm. It's, it's very high quality. It's super fantastic players on it. Um, and it sounds wonderful. We spend a lot of time on it. That's how you get it to sound wonderful. That's, that's, so there's a, there's a couple things. And so, well, let me finish. I'm getting distracted. Let me finish my story. So anyway, you spend vocals, right? Mm -hmm. And then, then again, I set on it. I don't want to hear it for about three or four days. Come back. Now we now we do sweetening. We do background vocals, whatever they might be. Beth and I do a lot of them. We sometimes add another person. Um, again, we've sung on a lot of records for people. So um, then usually the last thing I do is a little sweetening. For me, that's where I'll do my whatever keyboard parts I have. And um, you may call someone to come in and play steel drums here or a little bit. Or you, you find a hole where it just feels like it lays there for a minute. You'll add a lot of percussion or something. We do those kind of final things. Mm -hmm. And then I do a, I kind of mix as I go. So when I feel like I've got the whole thing completed as far as all the recording, I'm usually about 200 hours deep. Now, now I really don't want to hear it for about a week. And then I've, I've got a decent mix going, so then I'll come back and mix the entire project over a period of about three days. I'll come in and mix about four or five hours, quit, come back in a day or two and do it again. Mm -hmm. So I've got it all done. And... Um, I'll give, give Beth a copy myself, whoever the artist is, a copy, and tell them, please don't play this for anybody. Don't listen to it for about a week. And then listen to it, and let's talk. And then we go back in, and we tweak out. Inevitably, if you don't do that, you'll about a month later, when you get your CDs from the plant, you'll go, damn, I didn't realize, I didn't realize that, that tambourine was too loud. Right. Whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Man, I, I hate the way I sang that one word. This is where... If you're on a label, you have a big advantage because I'm making records until they're right, you know. And but again, to do that, it's two things: to do that in the in the in, um, the time restrictions for a lot of people, which is a lot of times why people move to Nashville. Just going back and forth is too freaking expensive. So I'm trying to get a good rhythm section here in Florida, 
You know, there's, there's a great, um, and I have one finally, there's a great um, flight on Allegiant Airlines from Punta Gorda to Nashville one way, it's like an hour and 40 minutes. Yep. So it's inexpensive and easy to get players to come back and forth if you need them. Or to go up there and work again, we have a studio up there also. So it, it just became a lot easier to make good drop rock records for MFG. The problem, again, for folks is um, nobody can afford to do that, spend that kind of money. Even if you're doing it at a buddy's house, by the time you've got it 250 hours, if you haven't made records before, you're going in circles by then. Sure. You know, we, we have a real process that it works a certain way, and when you start to get out of it, things get weird. So I'm kind of a... I don't. I don't want to say anal. My wife would have another word for that. But I'm very. I'm very specific when I'm making records. Yes. If I'm producing a record on you, or if Beth and I are producing a record on you. Our first goal is to make the record you want musically, right? Our second goal is to make sure that technically we don't let you do stupid things like, hey, I want to hear more bass. Well, when you do, and your friends hit the loudness button, you're going to blow their speakers. Right. You're listening to flat playbacks. You are not listening to your stereo. There's a, there are a number of things like that that are technical that I just I, I stand the line I'm not going to back down because you're screwing yourself. Mm-hmm. You're paying me to not let you do that if when I was taking money to make records. Um, so I'm I'm just enjoying it now. I'm only recording people that I really can can um, enjoy being around. I like their music. Mm-hmm. I like hanging with them. We just signed a new artist, uh, Mac Martin, great writer. He's a Florida guy. I've uh, been around for years. Very talented guy very much fun you know so that's kind of the process of making records we come back and, and when we all agree and sometimes there's some give and take and I'm, I'm not the only person that knows how to do this in my organization you know mm-hmm. there are other people and, and my wife and I'll yeah, 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 hit each other a little bit but we when we're done and we, we finish and we come back and we all agree on whatever the question was we can listen to these records and the goal for me when I give you a CD is not to go well, you know, there's a couple of things I wish we'd change. My goal is to go, hey, check this out. Right. To know that's all I have to say. And you should be able to listen to it and go, damn. If you can't, I didn't make a good record on you yet. Hmm. You can, here's the thing, okay? There's not enough money in Trop Rock at this point for anyone to afford those records. And I don't know. I mean, there may be someone else in the same positions as I am. I'm fortunate. Music business is hard to make a good living. And I did. And my wife did. And we worked with great artists and had great gigs and... So we're having fun now, and we're, we feel like we've been really blessed in, in our life, you know. Um, we've done well. And when we hear somebody that we just think is that cut above, we, we know, we, we, it, it hits us about the same. The first time we heard Rudy Cox, we were like, we need to make a record on that guy. He's a freaking star, and he doesn't even know it. And we did. And it, we talked for a year before we made that record. Before we ever went in the studio, we talked for a year about about doing it. And when we took Rudy to Nashville and we cut 10 tracks in one day, he was like, and Rudy is a fine musician and a fine singer-player. He was like, my God, I didn't believe y'all could do it. But same thing, it's like, I didn't realize how intricate every little thing is. But I used to do uh, some work with Jerry Reed, and Jerry always said it's all about tuning and timing. So you'll hear CDs or records that are made um, that are made um, it doesn't matter if they're made in home studios or not but they're made um, with good musicians and good artists and good songs but that, that, but that don't have experience making records I can't tell you how many I've probably made 5,000 
records in my life or more. I, I, I mean, I really don't know. I lost, lost mm-hmm. track years ago uh, when it was past a couple thousand. So you listen to that, and then you listen to somebody who's made a record that was um, that's experienced at making records or um, that w- really has somebody good to guide them and was fortunate enough to have all the time you need to make it. And they both sound good, but this one's going to be better. And you, you, don't, you can't pick out any one particular reason. It's a combination of things, tuning, timing, feel. Just mm-hmm. little, the littlest thing sometimes, one word, you know, you change one word or phrase it different, will make a whole change everything. So um, I, I love the trop rock very much. It's, it's very fun. I would like to see m- more people able to make records at that level because if, if they can, what's going to happen is trop rock is going to become a bigger, more popular genre. I mean, I love Buffett. I mean, I'm the right age to love Buffett. Um, I love Kenny Chesney. Like I say, one of my buddies is his managing partner, No Shoes Radio. I, I love country music. I love all those different things. Trop rock, trop rock is a fun field, but the thing is, our 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 market, our younger group of people, Jimmy Buffett's their parents' music. Some of them might like Chesney, but after a while, you can only listen to so much Chesney. It's no matter how good it is, you want to hear other people. Yes, and so there's a lot of people that like that style of music, but they don't know that the trop rock world exists. Right. I sometimes look at it and go, boy, it's just kind of scattered, and this seems to be competition, and it could be much more than it is. But it's it, it, I, just in the couple three years I've been involved with it, I've seen the I've seen it progress. So I think it's going in the right direction, and it will continue to. And there are a lot of players in it, in it. Obviously, a lot of a lot of uh, pieces and parts. Um, and I think one of the important things Harry T and I have this little joke about uh, quality, not quantity. You know, and I've had a couple people go, "Hey, you know, um, we, we and we sponsor some people here and there." Um, mm-hmm. You know, because because we want Trap Rock Radio to do well. All everybody, not I mean, absolutely. we need all those stations, yes, right? Absolutely, and all those different um, uh, syndicated shows and stuff. Um, but they're like, you know, we get you're on our show, we you'll get work, and I'm like, I don't. It's not what I do. I'm not, you can't you can't hire me to make your record, right? It, and it's not that I wouldn't or didn't. I mean, I did for years. I, I don't. You know, at this point in my life, I only have so much time left on the earth and so there are other things I want to do by the time I was 45 man I'd been on tour with the, like the Wembley tour with like Amy Lou, Jerry Lee Lewis Freddie Fender, Willie Nelson Glenn Campbell, blah 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 you could go on forever and if I wrote it all down you'd look at it and none of us, none of us would believe it you know but it's because I'm not a young man anymore you know I'm, I'm not I'm not 35 years old um, I don't want to be 35 years old <laughs> don't yeah. blame you yeah. but so by the time I was 45, I'd pretty much done way more than I ever dreamed that I could or would do, you know? So at this point, it's just about, I like to go and get my little Carolina skip out and go and just poke around the intercoastal. And actually fortunate enough to kind of live the life we all write about. I know a lot of our artists and friends that live any, all over the place, Midwest, out west, yeah. up north, you know? We live down here on the Gulf of Mexico and we're about two blocks from the water and about five blocks down here I got a boat on a lift I can walk down in about five minutes and be on the water you know that wasn't that wasn't my life for years so I'm, I'm pretty happy I don't I don't need to make them records that I, I have to remind myself I got working so much last summer we, I just took a two two month break and went on out west visited my daughter went to Portland Oregon did a little recording uh, at a studio there and uh, on, my, on my new project which we'll talk about more and I don't know how long you want to talk today so yeah 
you can edit, you edit it out, but <laughs> we uh, really just trying to take some time to write some songs and stuff. I, I, the week before I left, I canceled my last two gigs. I'm like, man, I have played in six days, played eight shows. Right. And I'm like, I, what are you doing, man? My buddy called me and said, man, your, your music hobby is getting in the way of your, our fishing. I'm like, you're right. It is. So I, I'm going to try not to work quite so hard. That's good. This year. I actually get that, believe it or not, from my wife. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. With, yeah. Uh, not the same thing, but the same thing. Uh, you know, realtor stuff. Yes. I enjoy it, which is a blessing and a curse. My friend Mac, who we just signed to our label, Mac Martin, is the same way. He's a realtor. Commercial yeah. realtor, he does mostly commercial real estate. He's over in Arcadia, and he's like, Man, "Yeah, I, you know, this is good, and I really like it, but I sure would like to be playing more music." <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. And uh, when we moved down here, it's very similar to what you were just saying. You know, my wife constantly says, "You know, Mark, we moved down here to have a little more fun because this was your dream moving to Florida yep. to yep. love the good life." Yep. Here, well, enjoy it. So exactly, and enjoy so it. I. I have to constantly pump the brakes like absolutely okay, 90 hours this week yeah probably a little bit too much yes <laughs> well we my wife and I beach, both, yeah. both did a lot of that you know when we were younger um, and I, I got as I told you earlier I got involved uh, in my mid 40s I got involved in um, building marinas it's, mm-hmm. you know it's amazing what you can get into that you didn't intend to so the story is long so the short version is I got involved with a company called Safe Harbor Development a big company we built big marinas, anywhere from 500 to 1,200 slips on Lake Erie, a lot of uh, Lake Lanier, a lot of lakes in, in Tennessee, mm-hmm. um, big Army, you know, 15, 20, 30,000 acre lakes in, in uh, mid-Tennessee Army Corps of Engineering, TEA lakes. And it was very fun. I had a good time on it. And, it, and, and some of that, and same thing, my, my wife was touring all the time with Ray Stevens. She's like, man, I just don't want to go back to Branson this year. So we spent a couple years... Uh, putting putting records out. I had recorded some stuff before her and I met um, on some artists in Europe that had done well. So I had a few contacts, and she actually got online and and booked us a tour over there. And we went and got a bunch of my my buds from the Opry, and um, uh, some, some couple of those guys are gone. Classic guys like a uh, um, John Huey, who was. Uh, was with Conway Twitty for years. I met John way a long time ago, and but spent the last years of his life playing a lot of sessions and working with, in, with Vince Gill. Had John come play. Jimmy Caps, another friend of ours who's passed away, was a staff player, one of the staff guitar players at the Opry for about 45 or so years. Really, another great player. Uh, Tommy White, uh, just a, you know, a, same thing. A, a really group of fine players, and we recorded some stuff and put it out. And it wasn't drop rock. It was more. Um, we didn't really know about drop rock then. It was more um, maybe in the in the genre or in the vein kind of, of what Emmy Lou or Lyle Lovett or stuff like that would do. It was okay. it was a lot of interesting traditional country songs kind of thing, but done real brush and stick, but with a very modern twist to them. You know, I don't really we always called it American fusion. I, it's hard to put a title on it. Um, you couldn't call it old country because it's not what it was. It was, but it was done. We t- t- took some of those tunes, and we had some guest artists. Um, Razzie Bailey sang on it with us, and uh, another friend of ours, George, George Hamilton the the Fifth, who was uh, his father, George the Fourth, was a guy that had Abilene, Abilene, prettiest. Yeah, um, he was a friend of ours from the Opry. And um, after about two years of doing that, we we were going to kill each other. So we said, let's take a break. Let's just take a break. 
So we took the summer off, and I got accidentally got involved with the marina business. And mm-hmm. so Beth got involved with the Red Cross and went to Germany for three years and worked as a station manager at the uh, Landstuhl in in Germany. And again, about five years ago, we're like, okay, that's the first time we ever really had real jobs. You know, that was fun. <laughs> sure, we'd like to be playing some music. How about you? And we're like, okay, let's let's stop all this stuff and just go. Let's just Go ahead. Let's get us a house on the coast. Let's sell our house over in Arcadia. Get it. Uh, we had a house in Columbia, South Carolina, too, and some rental, rental properties. So we kind of downsized all that stuff and kind of made our plan and came down and started playing. So now that's all we do is play. Have you been dreaming of moving to Florida? Have you been telling people, I gotta go where it's warm because you just can't stand one more stinking winter? I was the exact same way, so I did. Hi, this is Mark Hanover with Keller Williams Peace River Partners. I moved to Southwest Florida and have loved every second. Now I'd like to help you do the same. Whether you're looking to relocate to Florida permanently, purchase that vacation home, or get investment property, I can help make it a smooth and enjoyable process with the best real estate experience you've had. If you're looking to buy or sell in Southwest Florida, give me a call at 941-202-1995. Again, that's 941-202-1995. Or you can visit my blog at www.lovefloridarealtor.com. That is www.lovefloridarealtor.com. on southwest florida when you decided to move forward from well it's a it's really kind of funny how this happened because again beth and i because we both work for artists we've traveled separately for years um and i may be on tour she may be on tour you know who knows um so i was it was one winter day uh, it's been about oh gosh probably about 14 years ago or maybe maybe a little bit longer i was just sick of the cold and i had a my older brother had retired, and he was in Orlando all the time. And so I said, uh, I left her note on the table. She was out doing something for the day. I don't know what. I, I grabbed the dog and said, hey, uh, we're out of orange juice. I'm, I'm going to get some. Oh, by the way, I'm going to get it in Florida. So she calls me later today. She says, well, while you're there, buy us a house. S- seriously, that was the conversation. I said, okay, where? She said, Arcadia. I like all the antiques. So I went to Arcadia. And we had played over there at the Turner Center before on, a, on another uh, country music show. And um, we went in, and I found an old townie house and called my brother to come down for Orlando. He's a good carpenter and stuff. I said, help me look at this place, because it, it looked like a, a shambles. It had been grown over, and I wouldn't have lived in it for a few years. Mm-hmm. He said, man, this is solid as a rock. It just needs to be cleaned up and painted. So we restored it back to its original. It was built in the early 40s. Uh, but when we went to retire, so it's an Arcadia is east of here, and it's an old, you know, it's a southern Florida town, big rodeo and all that. That's what's, that's what's there. Yep. It's, a, it's a small town in Florida, and it's a really cool small town. Mm-hmm. And we still go over there, you know. But um, we, uh, when it got time to retire, we looked at it and went, what could we do to this property? And it had all these beautiful, large, old um, live oaks. I mean, it was all old Florida growth and stuff. We looked at it and said, anything that we could do to this house that would be 
so we wanted it so we could actually live in it the rest of our lives would ruin it and the property so it'd be better to maybe we should go look at the coast we well always go there so that's really kind of how we ended up here and Beth had owned some property here before in Venice and some lots okay. and stuff. so we'd been in the area and her father lived on Longboat Key for years wow um, so we had been coming around the area so this just was kind of a good fit and we actually were looking at some other houses up the road here and he drove in you saw our house is a Key West style it's got mm -hmm. the three big garage bays underneath it we drove we, we we drove up the street down here to look at a house on down the street on the canal and we there was a sign we just had a look down the street there was a sign that said um, seasonal rental for sale by owner we said hey let's go down there and check it out we drove past and looked at the garage and went that's it right there so we called the guy and we got in to look at it long story short bought the house and Sold a couple other properties and just you know moved here and then we built this last year, um, just for a really, uh, you know it's, it's it's not a real true studio. The gear is real true, but it's 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 just a hang. But we open the door and have parties and the garage door and stuff. But it's but I can make good records here. I made uh, all of Rudy Cox's record except for the the, the tracks and the you know we, we cut in Nashville and we mm -hmm. did all the rest of it here and I mixed it here. But um, that's how we ended up in this part of the world. And we've made friends and had fun and are digging it. So, That's okay. so now we're—I I told you this earlier. Wednesday, um, we start. Well, I've already started. I've got three things cut. So, Wednesday, I am uh, cutting tracks. We've got about six or seven tunes left to cut on a new CD that I'm working on, and it's called um, "Find Your Ocean." Is the name of the CD. I've already released a tune called Jacksonville, which is playing a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's my first CD off that, or, or my first single off it. There's one tune that I'm doing. A, um, I'll just say I have a couple surprise guests on it, and it's going to be very, very cool. It's called Bang Bang Shrimp, and it's a really fun song. And I have a, a, a couple of guests that all the Trop Rock world will know that said, yeah, we'd love to be on that. It's, it's a really neat thing. And of course, again, I have re really good players, so they know that it's going to, they've heard our stuff. They know it's going to be good. So I'm excited about that. Um, my first project came out a little over a year ago, and in one year, I'm like, "Gosh, that's only a year ago. It seemed like forever, right?" So, but I, I, we went out to uh, the West Coast. Went to I spent a uh, Beth had, I was out two months. Beth, I was actually out two months in one week. Beth had gigs to play on the front and the back of our, our to our vacation. Mm -hmm. So I I took two weeks to drive to Denver, and I really had an RV out here, and I drove it to Denver, and I spent a Took me a week to get there. Then I spent a week, well, outside of Denver. I spent a week up in the uh, in the mountains, just kind of chilling. Then she flew to Denver. Then we drove on through Salt Lake City and stayed there and just playing tourists, really just chilling. And went to Portland, Oregon to see our daughter who lives there. And um, I started this song in, um, gosh, I think I think like in Colorado Springs. I was camped outside of Colorado Springs, and. Um, I showed it to Beth and she says, oh, you know, you need like a word that, so anyway, it's called Mahalo, Hey La La. Um, and it's a chant, it's a sing-along. And um, so while we were in Portland, my daughter's brother-in-law is a fine drummer out there and he plays a lot of great bands. And uh, um, we ran across a, a young guy that's got a great studio, uh, home studio, but really, really nice studio. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we went over there and cut this tune cut the, the tracks for it. so we just it's really one of those it's really just an acoustic guitar um, like a djembe and a shaker it's a real not much going on um, instrument wise 
and, and it's a sing-along kind of thing. So it's a really neat tune. And uh, then we came, we were coming back across, we were going to come through, go to Yellowstone, and been to all these places on somebody's bus. But you know, it's always, oh, we've got to be in oh, tomorrow. Yeah. And so oh, yeah. I said, my one of the things I want to do is I want to take an open-ended trip. So I had, I had really, I had about, about, um, about 12 weeks that I, or about, about 11 weeks that I could take. So I ended up about, right at 11 weeks. I stretched it right to about, I got home about four days before we had to go to Jacksonville. So I still haven't, I've mowed the yard once and you can see it really. You oh, drove up, it's like yes. crap. That was four days ago I mowed that's, this yard. That's Florida. Yeah. <laughs> so we were, we were in Butte, Montana and, um, we were sitting at a truck stop, uh, and all of us, and we, we were having dinner actually in the motorhome. You know, weren't paying any attention. All of a sudden, bam! A guy in front of us who had a, uh, I think about a thirty or uh, about a forty-two foot RV. It wouldn't start. Oh, no. He didn't have the wheels chalked, and he didn't have the emergency brake, and evidently, but he took it out of gear, and he was on just a really light slant, so it started rolling. He didn't feel it rolling, so he rolled back, rolled back about fifty foot right into the front of our RV. So we had, we just got hung there. We, the rest of our vacation was kind of over with. So um, we changed Beth's flight plans because she was going to fly home from somewhere else. So we had it towed to Bozeman, Montana, and um, which is right at the gateway to Yellowstone on the, on the north side. So we went to Yellowstone two days, I think. And then uh, I camped basically in the parking lot of a, of a very fun big collision center. This guy was a race car driver. He had ra he does rails and like uh, pickups. Everything but the things you he doesn't do stock rides. He was doing pickups. He had a chopped semi. It was very fun. He had a, the coolest place. So he said, Man, you often stay here. He said, I you know, I've had people do it before. So and they did a great job taking care of everything. It's all it's all good and no one was hurt, thank God. But I got hung up for eighteen days. I sat there eighteen days to before, before they could get all the a windshield and all the stuff there and all the body work mm -hmm. taken care of. So Beth came on home and I'm there. I was towing my pickup truck. I thought, well, I've had all these songs floating in my head and I, one of the things I said I was going to do was try to finish writing this CD. So I uh, spent about eight or ten days driving up to Yellowstone somewhere every day or not always in the park but into the mountains and sitting on different riverbanks. Me and the dog, you know, you know, um, did I mention medical marijuana is legal there? I just want to say that. <laughs> that's, anyway. That's always a positive. Yeah. It, um, drank, you know, a little bit of rum, a little bit of beer, whatever, and wrote uh, a bunch of tunes. And as always with my tunes, um, I bring them back to the point that I'm like, okay, I know what I'm doing with this. And I give them to Beth to go, can you, can you tweak this out for me now? Because she's really a wonderful wordsmith, much better than I'll ever be. And um, so... We've got up the form of all of them and pretty much have them down. We'll probably still do some lyric tweaking after mm -hmm. we cut the session, but we know where we're going with them. So, so ended up with about eight or ten new tunes. Uh, real quick, um, just because I've, I've spoken to a few trap rock artists and, and musicians and stuff like that, your, your process as far as writing goes, I know some people that are very systematic. I know some people that are just, you know, it'll puke out when it pukes out. Where, where are you on that spectrum? Uh, mm, I, I, I'm probably, it'll, it'll peak out when it peaks out. Here's what happens to me. And, and I've had those same conversations. I know a lot of writers and seen, you know, my wife worked for years and, and did with, at Polygram uh, or at uh, Universal Publishing. And 
you know, they go into rooms and they write, they have writing appointments and they just throw things and come up with stuff. I get ideas. Mm-hmm. I get concepts. Like, um, um, an example would be this, this is my new tune, Find Your Ocean, one of the songs that I have. So I got thinking about all the trap rock stuff, right? And it, everything keeps being aimed at Key West, which is really cool. But I'm, I know tons of people throughout the Midwest and stuff that have never been to Key West and are probably never going to get there. They might get to the ocean twice in their life. They got a nice lake or they go to the Great Lakes or, you know, right. Johnny Russell and I have spoken about this. But there's as much salt water in their life because, man, they work hard, they sweat all day, they may be farmers, they may be, you know, and I got thinking about, man, there's salt water everywhere. It's just not all in the ocean. It's in a different form. And I have another tune on my last CD called Saltwater Cures Anything, Sweat, Tears, or the Sea. Mm-hmm. But so I got thinking about that whole concept and about how people find themselves. And I was talking with one of my friends, I got another guy who's on our label, Greg um, Hager. He's a, he's, a, he's a cowboy singer. I mean, he does cowboy music and, and it's a little bit of Christian music. And he's really talented. He just won Entertainer of the Year for, he's done it several years for the Western Music Association, which is a big, huge association. It's a great honor, and we're thrilled to have him on the label. But he, um, a lot of times in the fall, will do um, combining, you know, because he knows mm-hmm. how to drive these big machines. He says, it's like sailing, man. It's like sailing. And I thought, so I'm thinking about, we went to Pikes Peak. So this is how the song came to me. Beth and I went to Pikes Peak, right? And they were telling about the lady who wrote um, America the Beautiful, you okay. know. Saw Pikes Peak and talked, wrote about the amber waves of grain and the purple mountain's majesty and from sea to all that stuff. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. You could be so inspired. So I started to get this idea and I really combined uh, my first thought was about there's salt water everywhere. Then I started thinking about, you know, all these people finding their spot in this nation that, because I discovered where the, all the trap rock hell we were in Olympia Washington Sun Jim was playing we went up and sat in with him and played a couple three songs it's like all these people there people that I've seen at other events on the other side of the nation at this event you know a, a, a big house concert someone's yard I'm like wow it's everywhere salt water is everywhere yes. and this music is everywhere so yeah, I kind of combine those two thoughts and I just I just kind of keep them in my head and let them settle I'll get a what we call a hook, maybe a line or two that's kind of like a key line, you know, of the song, or maybe a groove. Mm-hmm. But I'll get something that starts to just boil. And I usually let it set. And at this time, I had I had about eight or nine of those floating around. And then at some point, it's like everything's out of the way, and that's what's happened to me, right? I'm sitting at a body shop. There is nothing to do. And I'm on this street, okay? Again, medical marijuana is, this is a funny story. It's legal in Montana. And January 1st, I guess, recreational marijuana becomes legal. So there's all these people poised to become, you know, recreational marijuana dealers. So we were in this kind of a, I wouldn't call it a warehouse district, but a a lot of really nice new metal buildings. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of people obviously growing in dispensaries there. I've never smelled pot so strong in my life. I may never want, I may never want to talk with anybody again. (laughs) It was so overwhelming. I'm like, golly, after three weeks. So at... There's so many skunks here. Yeah, you got to get yeah, Jack Mosley skunks in Nob Hill. You got to get out of there. It was very funny. So um, I, I, I just finally was to the point where, okay, there's nothing to do. I've seen the town. There's nowhere to go. I got nobody to talk to but the dog, and he doesn't answer. That's about it, you know. I just finally said, well, I guess I'll start writing these things. Cool. And I just went up. My first day, I went down on the Madison River and um, 
just out, no one around, and found a place to sit and sat and wrote most of Find Your Ocean. And then I just started that thing. So what I'll, what I'll do is I'll write down what I have. I usually kind of have a form in my brain. I'll start with what I've got and write it out and leave blank spaces to write stuff. I'll move stuff around. But I'm, I'm not a guy who methodically sits down and goes, I'm going to write a song about this. Here it goes like, you know. Right. Um, I, I don't have that gift. But that, it is, there are people who, who do that and do it well, and it is yes. a gift. Um, I'm more, I get these things, and a lot of times, a lot of times I will turn a recorder on because I may write the whole damn song in one. Have you by any chance heard my last CD? I didn't actually. Okay, I will give you a copy. There's Thank a, you. There's a tune on it about 11 minutes long. It's called, and it's a funny song. It's called. Um, this is how it came to be. It's an interesting little thing. It's called "Do You Want to Dance, Pink Flamingos?" Slash Pink. I love Pink Flamingos. Okay. So I wrote a song a number of years ago called "Do You Want to Dance." It was kind of a Cajun. And I had uh, Beth and I went to Switzerland and produced a, a, some friends of ours a, a, have a top country band over there called Nevada. So about ten years ago, we went and they cut that song and made it the title of their song. So I'm visiting other CD and it, we got a lot of airplay and you know of course you like those BMI checks and stuff because they pay well in Europe. They pay slow, but they pay better than I mean, much less airplay than they do in the states. Hmm. It's different. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Mark with Twisted Palms. Do you love Hawaiian shirts and other tropical styles like I do? I've been a huge fan of Hawaiian shirts since I was probably about 18. The style, the feel, the coolness all really come together to make them something I love. That's why I started Twisted Palms Trading Company to give everyone a place to come to purchase high quality tropical apparel and decor. Most of which are made in the U.S. and most of our Hawaiian shirts and dresses are actually made in Hawaii, so they're legit. I'm always adding things to the site, so make sure you come back often. Twisted Palms Trading Company, that is twistedpalms.biz, or you can always give me a call at 941-202-1995. Again, that's 941-202-1995. Okay, so we were talking about songwriting and telling you about my uh, how I construct songs and how they come together sometimes so different things happen I generally speaking they I get an idea and I boil them for a while and then I sit down and write them out and get them most of the way to where I'm comfortable with the what I'm saying is clear and I give it to my wife Beth Travers who's my co-writer always and she's such a, a great wordsmith and she'll help me make it not be stupid you know sometimes you'll say something that's exactly <laughs> what you meant to say but it sounds stupid or corny she, she knows, she's really excellent at crafting those lines into something much better gotcha. that says exactly the same thing, but sounds cooler, I guess. But, so I, I, was, I was telling you, I have this song called, it's about an 11-minute song on my last CD called Do You Want to Dance slash I Love Pink Flamingos. And the way that song came together was a, two or three things. I was making this first drop rock CD, and I've made, again, I've made CDs on a lot of stars and a lot of people my whole life. And I'm thinking, man, what do you want to do? You've made all these records on other people. You, you're actually making a real record on yourself and not just something for a little tour you're doing or something. But a real record you're going to put out, put to the drop rock radio. So um, in that process, uh, during that time frame, I went and visited my daughter at Salvi Island. And we went out to Salvi Island, which is a really neat island. with a, It's got a marina and a couple organic farms outside of Portland, Oregon, right there mm -hmm. in the middle of the Columbia River. 
And we're driving out there, and she starts singing, I love pink flamingos, pink flamingos, pink flamingos. Not the real ones, but the plastic ones, pink. And I'm just laughing, right? <laughs> She's a big, she likes um, bands like um, Government Mule and Fish, okay. and I have a buddy in Government Mule. My wife. Oh, yeah. Well, Warren Haynes and I, were, we played together when we were young. We, we played at Shakey's Pizza Parlor one winter. So that's a, that's another story, but it kind of relates to the Portland thing. But So I said to Carla, because I know she's like, the, I said, is that like a fish song or something? She said, no, I just wrote that just out of So my daughter's 39 now. Um, I said, oh, that's pretty that's pretty cool. I said, I'm going to make that into a jam song someday. And she said, oh, sure, Dad. So anyway, um, it just sat there for the longest time. And I got to doing this CD, and I always... I would play it once in a while, and we we started sending each other flamingo things. And now, every, you see the big pink flamingo in my yard out here. Mm -hmm. People send me those things, right? Because they know that's awesome. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm doing this thing, and I had a, a buddy. His name was Ed Glass, and Ed passed away. And I, again, I'll give you a copy of this. I should give you one so you can. Let me grab this real fast. You can check it out. Thank you. But um, just let it open here. Um, my buddy Ed and I, we we played with a lot of artists. We've been all over the world on somebody else's dime. I and mean, we played a zillion sessions. And he was like that guy that always had your back, knew every stupid thing you ever did and never told anyone. But he, but he, 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 he always knew the right time to remind you about it. It's that kind of thing. Valuable. Yeah. Well, I'm old enough. I'll probably never have that friend again in my life. I right. mean, he was, Ed was, um, I don't know, 66 or something when he passed away. But anyway, he and I have recorded a lot of things over the years. And I had some stuff that he and I had some demos and just some stuff we've been fooling with. And I thought, I wonder if there's anything here that Ed and I halfway did that I could use where I could have Ed playing drums on my CD. Because I miss him every day, still miss him every day. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was just digging through stuff. And I found this really cool little beat thing I liked. And I thought... I wonder if I can cut this thing apart. Because now you can edit everything. I, when I was started, my first tape recorder was like a $45,000 tape recorder. Big as my kitchen stove. You know, you use tape with a half, half a mile of tape on it. Reels, it was crazy. But, um, so I edited this thing. And I just made a, basically a loop. And I made it, a, you know, I took about four bars and made it into eight and cut it. It kept cutting and pasting. And so, I'm just thinking about Ed mostly. Because he was just somebody that I, it was really special to me. And he's the guy that taught me how to sail. And I mean, he was like an older brother to me, but just really, um, really a special guy. So I woke up in the middle of the night singing that stupid, I love pink flamingos, pink flamingos. <laughs> and again, our house in Nashville is a, the downstairs is a literally, it's it's kind of like this, except for the bedroom is our drum room. And we just roll the queen bed up on the side and set the microphones up. Yeah. My nightstands are drum. I built it as a studio. I made it so you could sleep in the damn drum room. All right, um, but it's, I've got a nice console there, and we've got a grand piano, and you know, and all the stuff that you would have in a studio. But so it's a fun place to be. We'll stop and make cookies and make lunch and cook out. I mean, we we do a real relaxed recording at this point. It's four in the morning. I'm waking up and I'm just thinking about that song, and I'm there to to start working on some of this stuff. And I just go out and I get that drum loop. I crank it up the drum loop, and I sit down, and th that whole song. It's an eleven minute song came out and I thought what is that what else could you do so I just said and then I said I had a dream the other night and I was kind of like you know how you have those kind of half awake dreams that's what it was and I said I was, it was the strangest thing I saw a tiki bar and there were pink flaming and it just kind of the whole original vocal cut and I had to punch a couple lines later to fix them but there's 11 minutes of playing and 
it was just me and I, I sat down to uh, electric piano and played for 11 minutes and did that entire vocal off the top of my head live the whole thing came out in one fell swoop and I got done and went, listened to it back and went shit I'll never be able to play that live but that is very cool and it is a very cool tune and when you if you listen to it it's like a, it's what they should play when the band set up it's got some brilliant guitar work on it some uh, some great B3 work some sax got horn section on it I mean it's very very cool it's got some very fun uh, uh, singers along with me on it that all were added that's how that one came it's, that thing floated around on my head for years, and all of a sudden it was just like, bam. That is funny. I had another thing similar. I had a tune that I had written. Uh, I had two of these like this that I had written halfway, and I played them for a friend of mine. But one, I have this on the CD. It's called How to Get to Be an Old Man So Fast. Um, my friend Robin Young, who was Farron Young. I don't know if you follow any country music, but Farron was a big country star in the late 50s and 60s, and this was his son, who's okay. about, about my age. And I, I've known Robin the same thing for about 40 years. Well, here about, I don't know, maybe seven years ago, eight years ago, he called me and said, hey, man, will you produce a record on me? He said, I'm just, he was became a deputy sheriff. He said, I'm about to retire. He's like the son of a lot of stars from, from that era. So he tours with like Hawkshaw Hawkins Jr., uh, Georgette Jones. I mean, children of really, the, the really big, Probably the big, the second wave of country music. The first wave, like Hank Williams and those. So mm. they, you know, so it's like George Jones, kids, um, you know, Conway Twitty's kids. It's, there's a group of people that are all they're all sixty-ish now. That that tour they do, um, uh, they call a Sons and Daughters tour, and it's a pretty popular tour. So it's like I'm going out on tour. I need to do, I need a new CD. We did too. We did one of all of his dad's songs, just like the originals. It was really very very fun to do. And then we did this one of his. So he's looking for songs and whatever, and I said, hey, man, I got this one song. I said, I haven't really finished it yet, though. He said, man, if you had finished that, I'd cut it. So I, that's how I had it half done. I'd written a first verse and, uh, and a chorus. So I had to write another verse and a bridge, and he cut it, and then uh, I cut it on my CD, and it's a cool tune. It, they played the crap out of it in Texas, man. I definitely made some money there, and, and it was on, there's a big Texas music chart, and it, it was on that for a long time. It made it all the way to number one on that chart. That's another one of those. He said, man, if you'd finish that. So most of us are walking around with a bunch of half-finished songs either in our head or in our pocket or something, and you get a reason to finish them. Another one I had, um, my dad and I uh, clashed a lot. Like most, you know, yeah. when you're 16, if you were 16 years old in the 70s, you'd probably clash with your parents, you know. Um, and I did. But so you always think about this, uh, you know, and I've had, I've talked to a lot of my friends that they're like, have the same, they similar experience. Yeah, I wonder if my dad ever thought I was worth a crap for a long time. And then, you know, we finally talked. And it was, my dad wrote me this really, really sweet letter, which I, I've kept in a very special place. But it just started out with my, he said, just said, um, You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, which was something that's from the Bible, you know. And I mm -hmm. thought, wow, that is. And I went in and read the letter, and it really teared me up. And it's, it's just, it just answered a lot of things for me, you know, and it was really, a, it's a really a lovely thing that happened in my life, but I was always going to write back to him, and I never, I, I could never write, I thought, oh, I'll put it in a song, I never wrote, I'll put it in a song, so I started a song called, it's called The Letter, and I played half of it, I got the whole first verse, same thing, the whole verse, I just it just came out, I tried to write choruses, I, I couldn't write anything else to it, I got that far, and it just wasn't finished, and, and you know, I mean, it, 
what I had was really great, and it said pretty much everything I wanted to say. And it goes like, hey, Dad, I got your letter. came for me this week. Um, I put it in my sweater, but I, because I could barely speak. When I read the words you wrote, tears welled up in my eyes. Never knew there were so many things I hadn't realized, like the cats in the cradle with the silver spoon. Dad, when old Harry penned those words, I think he meant me and you. Dad, I'm going to write back as soon as I get the chance, but man, life is moving so fast, and I'm a busy man. Stop right there. And that all came out. I sat down on the front porch with my guitar, and it all came out, so I stopped and wrote it down, but that's good. So then I tried to write, you know, the rest of it. I could never write it. I sat on it for, oh, probably well over 10 years. And Beth and I, when we were living in Nashville, um, went to a church called Cowboy Church up there, and we, we took turns as band leader and whatever, played in the band. And the pastor, Harry H., now his wife is Johnny Cash's sister, Joanne. So we, again, we some of the people that we've worked with and recorded with, but... Um, Harry called me, it was Father's Day. He said, hey, would you play something for Father's Day, some kind of special music? And what that, the format of that church is, there's about 40 minutes, an hour long service on the radio on WSM. It's about, and I think it's on Willie's, it's on Sirius Radio also. Mm -hmm. um, it's about uh, 40 minutes of music with special guests. And you'll have guests from the Opry and different stars come in, right, whatever. And then he does about a 10 minute sermon you know, so the whole show is about 50 minutes, and then they do, they call an altar call, but, uh, you know, I don't know if you're up in church or not, but mm -hmm. so, and at that point, it goes off the radio, and the service finishes up, but he, he called me and said, would you come play Father's Day? And I thought, man, I wonder if I could finish that song I wrote for my dad, just kind of tell about how nice it was to get that, and so I, I, I stayed up late, and I couldn't, I could not, I just could get nowhere. And my father had long since passed away. He'd passed away a few years before that, a couple of years before that. And um, I got up the next morning. Now I don't have anything. I'm scrambling. Okay, I got to write a chart. I got to bring charts for these guys. What am I going to sing? And and it hit me how to finish the song. So this, so I I did the song, and it's I, I hardly ever play it live, but it's, so I played the first verse, which I just told you, and I told a short version of the story I just told you, and I said so. This it finally hit me overnight how the rest of the song goes and I just talked about you know I have a, always have a pocket full of songs there are a bunch mm -hmm. of them in my brain and I couldn't finish this one and but I finished it and here's how the second verse goes and I told him about my dad had passed away in the meantime so I, I never wrote wrote back to him on the letter so the second verse just goes hey dad I wish I'd written back while I still had the chance and it just stops and it's like I just really when you play it it will be deadly silent in the room. it's pretty hard it, yeah. yeah. Hey, Dad, I wish I'd written back while I still... It starts out, Hey, Dad, I wish I'd written back while I still had the chance. It just stops. Well, right? you can see it. Yeah. And that's, again, that's a very personal tune. It's not something I play. I would I probably wouldn't play it at a trop rock thing. But, there, I'm, you know, I love the trop rock music and it's fun, but I'm in a... You know, as most of the people that are in trop rock, they all they all have so much more depth. That's something that we all do in the escapism of it all. It's very fun and we love it. But most of these writers have really a lot of depth and write a lot of stuff that's way beyond that. I was I saw Sonny Jim in Olympia, as I said, and he played something I hadn't heard called Flotsam and Jetsam. Have mm. you heard this tune? I haven't. Well, Flotsam is what you throw off a boat when it's going down, mm -hmm. and Jetsam is what you find at the shore that's been thrown off a boat when it's. And that's the whole thing. And he this song, man, it brought tears to my eyes. And I've been around some fine writers. I'm like, dude, that is a, what a great song. He's got his CD out with it. I've got, I've got to call him, and he doesn't live far here, and, and get one. 
You got flotsam and jetsam. Again, just a life experience, and it just hits you. <laughs> so that's how to the long version of that's how I write. That's awesome. And I, and I have a great uh, co-writer and editor and finisher, and so we basically Clearly, yeah. we 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 <laughs> we write together. And same thing. Beth will send me things. You know, she's got, I got this, but I've just got this because she sometimes will get deeper into it. I'm like, no one hears all those words. I've been making records on people for years. You know, they hear the melody, they hear some of this, and that's why no one knows the words to all the songs. Everyone knows we all have different words. Yep. They don't care. They they remember. They remember. The, all I need is the sunshine, but they don't remember uh, uh, the uh, run. Well, yeah, they the main parts. Surface. We're all that way. Yeah. So we we help each other. We have a we have a good thing. We we've written some really really cool tunes together, but that's awesome. Yeah. So your new album, my new album, that you're working on. Do you have a time frame for that, or is that just kind of whenever you get to it? Well, it's no, it? yeah, I'm, it's it's active right now. So I only work on one album at a time. I just mm -hmm. just finished Mac Martin's, and I took a two month break, and I do have to maybe do a little mix tweaking on uh, um, tweaking on Max before we put it out. But you will be sending a copy out to all the radio stations. My new CD um, will come out this fall sometime. Okay, um, I'm, I'm going to cut the rest of the tracks. I anticipate we'll get them all cut Wednesday, and then. I've got to go to Nashville um, to do some overdubs, uh, so I'll take tracks up there. Um, hopefully, I'll get that done in September. You know, I've got quite a few things happening uh, in this month, so I think by the end of October or early November, I, I won't have it done before meeting other minds. Mm -hmm. But probably, I'll have it done by the end of the year. Okay. It's probably um, again. It's not even so much. So if you, if you just did it all right in a row, you could blast it out quicker. But I, I I let them sit just a little bit because I like to come back without so much tunnel vision. Well, it sounds like a decent idea. I mean, whether you're well, it, whether you're doing music or whether you're it writing works. an article if you, or whatever. If, yeah. if you look at a, a lot of the uh, bands over the years, like Fleetwood Mac is an example. I don't know, there's a lot, lots of them. Billy Joel. I mean, a lot of rock and roll bands. A lot of artists like Buffett. Um, artists that write their own material in particular, you'll find that nobody goes in and cuts a record in a week. That's a Nashville custom record thing. Mm -hmm. And they do, and, and I'm, I don't mean that in any way. I mean, that's, if 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 you don't have the ability to go spend $25,000, I mean, you can, you can spend $15,000 to do a good record in Nashville now. I mean, you just can't do it any cheaper if, if you were to start, you know. Anything less than that, you're, you're not getting the full meal deal, Bob, on a custom record. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, but you're not. And um, you, you still may end up with a pretty good record. And it's unfortunate that it's so expensive, you know, and that in Trop Rock we don't, it's, it's, it's not funding it well enough now. But I believe that it will. And I, I really applaud the people. If they're making records in their home and they're getting the music out there, I applaud them. I'm no way knocking it. I'm just saying that for the genre to come up overall, we've got to have your records, have got to be, you've got to be, be, play your record next to Kenny Chesney's. Because if you can't, they will always be considered, oh, that's a, Inferior, so, so and I think most that. everybody in this genre knows that. I don't think that's a. I don't think I'm saying anything that's a, a surprise to anybody. Again, it's the ability to afford it, or to even know people that do it. You know, a lot. You, there's so much gear out there. You can, you can make, you can make. Um, um, sonically, you can make good sound records in your freaking living room. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I have, I've probably got in this studio and make. Maybe I might have sixty or seventy grand in gear in this studio, and I used to have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in a studio to even get close to what I can do here, and I can do way more. And then in Nashville, same thing. We have a similar kind of um, 
equipment setup up there. You know, house drum kit and a bunch of mics and whatever. But um, it's just it's just amazing the difference that, that it makes when you can take your time. So to the short version to the, again, you can edit the crap out of this. You probably should. The short version is uh, by the end of the year I'll be done and hopefully by mid-November. Okay. Yeah, so. well, it's not too far from modem. But, uh, no, um, yeah. we just have some other things that we play. We play some things for some arena conferences and stuff that are big. They're private, but they're big mm-hmm. shows, you know. Um, and um, just we're, just we're trying to work live. I know I'm getting ready to work on a new record for Jack Mosley and Beth Travers both. And I can only have one in my head at a time. Right. So I can't cut 12 albums a year and play live. And I'm having fun playing live, which I you know, I haven't, hadn't done much in, in a long time since... Uh, I worked with Johnny Russell and Johnny Pass, so since early 2000s, I didn't really play a lot much after about 2003 for about 14, 15 years, mm-hmm. just very little. I was just going to ask, what is the goal, or is this it at this point, just kind of do what, do what you want to do? It's the and... journey. It's the journey. I way surpassed my goal years ago, you know, yeah. I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm, Beth and I get up, we, have, we do two things, it's very fun. We both play gigs around here, you know, and then we tour together. Um, we don't really play together, but we go play the same venues sometimes, and, I'm, and she'll play. I, I have my show; she has her show, and then we may um, play some tunes together at the end, depending on whether you know how many artists there are that are there or whatever. But the two thing, the thing that we love to do that's the most is if you're playing trap rock music in Florida, you're not probably not playing till midnight. You're probably playing till about nine o'clock because all the people go home. Because we jokingly call our little town Inglewood, we call it Wrinklewood for obvious reasons. I just want to put on record, I'm not the one that said it. No, I did. So, <laughs> I'm the, but I, I'm not the first one who said it. I'm, I'm gonna also throw out. I adore Inglewood. Oh, we, but that is not the first time I've heard that. Yeah, no, Inglewood is the it's an awesome place. I love absolutely. Here. We live in paradise, man. We do. So, I mean, the goals we we already kind of reached all the goals. So we're having fun. We're playing music, but we come home. You know, we throw our check on the thing and then we count our tips while we're having dinner. We cook dinner at 10 o'clock at night and we count money. It's awesome. You know, it's pocket money. It's very, very fun. And we hang out with our dog, Buddy Howley, who's my executive producer. He's, he's in the house, I guess. And mm-hmm. we swim, we, we go boating, you know, we go back and forth to Nashville. We go see our friends at different places and, and play music till we're sick of it. And then we, as you can see, we have a, we're not good. Guitar is not my first instrument, but I have a lot of them. And same with Beth. Not her first instrument. She's a bass player, a really fine bass player. But um, we both played guitar our whole life because we write. But just having fun with it, man. Mowing the grass. I like mowing my grass. I'm working in the yard. When I'm too busy to take care of my own yard and fool around, then I'm playing more music than I want to because I've been there and done that. It's one of the funny things we kind of laugh about at this point in our lives. Um, You know, we talk to folks and like, man, if we could get this like big stage and more dates, I'm like, man, it's not what you think it is. I did all those fly dates and all those mm-hmm. throw your crap under a bus and you know you drive 26 hours and play for two hours and then drive 26 hours back. You yeah. drive to freaking Maine or you drive to San Diego or you know you play a show there. It's like oof. It's, it's hard. It seems like a glorious life, but if you if you're raising a family, which we did, you know we raised kids and had a home and mm-hmm. you know a yard to take care of and all those things fit all that into some of it. and if. Music is one of those professions, or a lot of professions that require a lot of traveling, and they're all the yes. same thing. Traveling is, seems really awesome, but it's 
I'm at the point in my life, other than this last trip that I did, that I was kind of like a bucket list thing for me. It was I, I want to get in the freaking motorhome, go wherever I want, open-ended. I don't have to be anywhere at any particular date. I didn't book any gigs. I just want to just want to be. I'm going to be a human being instead of a human doing. Good. So, two weeks is long enough to be gone. When I was growing up, uh, my dad used to travel around the nation building restaurants. And so when he would go out, most restaurants back in the day, it's harder to do it like this now because of the way people work. It has just changed. Uh, it used to be a 30-day project for you know your favorite, name your favorite uh, uh, quick dine restaurant. I'm not going to name any names. Unless they start paying me, then I'd be happy to. Sure. Um, but it was about a 30-day, maybe a 40-day build. Ground, finished, opened up. So if you ever want to see Dad, you went out to Wyoming <laughs> or you went out to California. So by the time I was 12, I had been to about 38 states easily. I'm sure I'm short um, overnight for a week or two, stuff like that. So right. whenever I travel now, I always try very hard to make sure it's maybe not so open-ended. But, you know, if yeah. I went to Tennessee, I'd like to actually see Tennessee for a minute. Yeah. Um, ironically, my dad never saw Florida for real until I moved down here. And he came down for a week to meet me, to meet me here. And um, he was just looking around like, all I remember about Florida was, you know, being hot and sweaty and yelling at people to hurry up and get out to work. <laughs> like, well, that's not, yeah, it's not us. Well, yeah. well, I did this trip, uh, Beth and I were talking about Yellowstone. And she, she did a trip when she was out of school with one of her girlfriends, one of those long summer mm. trips you should mm. do. But I was already touring with artists, you know, at that point. I never even, I didn't. I left high school to do that, you know. I, I go back, get, go back to high school later. But um, I remember being being um, on tour. We played the Million Dollar Cowboy Bar in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, uh, um, with Johnny Paycheck, and we we're coming back through Yellowstone up, and we played a place in Gillette, Wyoming, somewhere. I don't remember the name of it. Boot Hill, I think. A great big club. Drove through Yellowstone, up from Jackson Hole, up through the, and man, we could go right past Old Faithful. Yeah, well, it's like forty. It goes off like every hour and a half. Yeah, it's like forty minutes till it goes off. We don't have time. Zoom. I'm like, you fucking kidding? <laughs> yep. My, right. So I, I went back and I said, like, "Oh my God, I'm going to see Yellowstone, yep. and I'm going to see Old Faithful, and I've got it going off two different days." I'm like, "There you go, my God." Me and the dog sitting there on the pavement. Hey, ain't that cool, buddy? That's you know that's that was my life it's like oh man I want I want to see it so Beth and I toured this is very fun because I used to do I told you this Wembley tour matter of fact I have, I have a couple depending on how much you want to do I have a couple pretty funny stories about that but sure um, it's like any other tour right you fly into Heathrow or Gatwick in London you get off plane there's somebody there to meet you They've got a bus for you. They get all your crap in the bus, and then you just you're at their mercy. You go where they. So, I mean, we're playing to thousands and thousands of people, seven or eight different cities across Europe. Starts it in a, at, in Wembley Arena in uh, London, and then mm -hmm. goes. Um, we played in Stuttgart, and man, I couldn't tell you all the cities. But the last night of this tour, we were with Jerry Lee Lewis and a bunch of Emmy Lou Harris is on this. Um, Holly Dunn, who's who's since passed away, um, Willie Nelson, Freddie Fender, Johnny Russell, 
Jerry Lee Lewis is on this now. He's been on this whole tour. He would, he, he's a wild man. So my friend Kenny Penny is a guitar player. Um, worked for 10 years with Jerry Reed, really brilliant player. Um, from that era, one of the best best known players of, of the era of the so all those Smokey and the Band movies stuff. You'll always see Kenny in the band somewhere. I mean, these guys. Mm-hmm. Were, but he's played harmony to Jerry Reed for ten years. I mean, it's like if Jerry could play it, he had to figure out how to play harmony to it. Just scary player. These guys are like at a level. I'm like, what, dude, dude, <laughs> dude, bring calculus books for reading, and then he'd bring a mandolin and play Bach and Beethoven on the mandolin, just keep you know for something to do on the bus. Wow. But um. So anyway, he was big friends with Kenny Loveless, who has been Jerry Lee, Jerry Lee's guitar player for years. And Jerry Lee said, "Hey man, you want to play with us? We're all on this tour together." So he played with Jerry Jerry Lee every night. Well, the last night we played in Zurich, Switzerland, Mervyn Kahn, the promoter, shorted Jerry Lee money. Jerry said, "I ain't, I ain't playing." So um, um, the band played. Jerry Lee paid me two hundred bucks to play in this place. Oh my gosh! I played this entire show. I've been seeing it every night. I played this whole show. Front of about twenty five thousand people, and Kenny Loveless sang all the songs. And a few years later, Beth and I we were touring in Europe, the two of us together, and we did this radio show. This guy named John Brock has since passed away, but John looked at me and went, "You seem familiar." He said, "Have you all ever been here before?" And I said, "Oh yeah, I was. Uh, I was on the Wembley tour in '93, the last year they had it." And I said, "I was here with uh, Johnny Russell," and um, and he looked at me and he went, "He said I." He he just said, "I had." I had really forgotten about it. It was something I, you know, just not an everyday conversation. He said, you were Jerry Lewis for a night. And Beth looked at me like, what is he talking about? <laughs> he had been the MC of that show. Oh, wow. And I, I just didn't register with me, you know what I mean? Sure. So he told the whole story on the radio. It was a very, very funny kind of thing. So my best sub, because I was Jerry Lewis for the night. That's pretty awesome. It was, it was very awesome, actually. About two nights before, we were, we were in Stuttgart, and I was over at the monitor console across the stage. Now, Jerry Lee would only let you... Um, he'd give you five minutes at the front where they could parade people in front of the stage to take pictures, and after he doesn't want any flash pictures. So, okay. I'm, but after all that's happened, I'm across the console. I'm across the stage, right? He's on that side of the stage. I'm over here sitting with a guy who's mixing monitors, and I got my little camera, and I'm snapping pictures. And he, right in the middle of the song, he's like, you, you get out of my face, I'm going to kick you out. Kick you ass. He goes, you shake my nerve, and you're out of my brain. If you don't get out of my face, I'm going to kick you ass. And he kept right on going. I'm like, and he would. He'd come over there and knock the shit out of you, you know? It was just how he was. What a wild man. Wow. But the tours. So Beth and I, when we started touring over there, we rented a station wagon, rented a small sound system, because we're playing all either big clubs or small theaters, and we're playing as a duo. Mm-hmm. And we stayed with people. We really got to know the country. And we've been, man, we've been all over. We have to joke. And when people say, have you been here? And we go like, yeah, and all over Europe, too. Because we had this, it's, just, I got, it's, all, it's a joke from the past. But um, much more fun, like like the, like what you know, and that's what we, we like about it. You know, everything we always did was fly dates. You get on a bus and you're at their mercy. You know, mm-hmm. driving past. Yeah, no, I was never to the Statue of Liberty, but we drove past it 14 times. That kind of thing. So now, yeah, that's part of what we're doing in our life is we're really enjoying um, the the journey. So you ask about what's the goal? The goal is to enjoy the journey, I guess. That's amazing. Yeah. I heard I heard Reggie Sterrett say the other night, I was on a show that he was on, and he said, I'm not going to live the last 15 years of my life as an old person. Being old. I'm not going to live the last 15 years of my life, the rest of my life, the remainder of my life being being old. I thought, man, exactly. Most of our parrothead people are, you know, 40 and up. 
if, or, or if not older. Yeah, man, let's have some fun. I couldn't agree more. So just in closing here, um, real quick, people want to get a hold of you for whatever, whether it's tour dates or begging for you to produce them or, or however you want to. Okay, well, um, you can find me at, um, I have a, a website, Dave Science Music, that's spelled S-I-G-N-S, D-A-V-E, S-I-G-N-S music.com. I'm Dave Science Music at Facebook. On Facebook, just Dave Science Music. Pretty easy to find. Excellent. That's it. I won't give you my phone number, but it's in a, it's on the bathroom wall of a lot of truck stops. <laughs> Maybe somebody's number newer, younger with a you know nicer pen <laughs> written over it. But if you look hard, it's, yeah. All right. But that's how you can find me. Um, okay. And also, you know, I'm a member of the Trop Rock Music Association. There, um, pretty much all the Trop Rock radio stations can direct somebody to me if they can't remember. DaveSignsMusic.com. Not hard, guys. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Mark, so much. much. I really appreciate it, too. Thanks so much. All right. And there you have it, friends and neighbors. That was the one and only Mr. Dave Signs. Uh, I really had a great time sitting down with Dave. And thank you, by the way, Dave, uh, for taking the time out to speak with me and to share some of your world with uh, me and the listeners here. It was really interesting being able to hear not only what he's done musically, which obviously he's extremely talented as a musician and as a singer, but also as a producer, because that's just a lot of stuff you don't get to hear all the time. You know, I, I'm really always into the the magic behind the scenes, so to speak. I always watch those shows and listen to those podcasts. And uh, it's always really cool to be able to hear from a producer, from a production standpoint, what it takes to make the magic that everyone I know loves to sit down and listen to. And 250 hours out of someone's life, gosh darn it. Yeah, so like I said earlier in the podcast guys please you know if the musicians are asking you to please pay the dollar for the download or go to their website and uh, buy the cd go for it because we want to keep these guys working we want to keep these guys able to keep on keeping on like they're supposed to so uh, again guys that's all there is to it for today thank you very much for tuning in to love florida realtor thank you for inviting me into your homes or cars or wherever the heck you happen to be listening to if you'd like to buy a palm tree shirt or other prop, uh, tropical apparel if i could speak today uh, please visit twistedpalms.biz, that is twistedpalms.biz, uh, or go ahead and give me a call at 941-202-1995 if you are looking to potentially buy or sell property down in Southwest Florida or really anywhere else in the state other than the Keys. Uh, again, that's 941-202-1995, or you can always visit my blog at lovefloridarealtor.com. Thanks, guys, and as usual, keep on keeping on just like those twisted palms. Daytona driving. What is this I see? Two palm trees together that twisted like you and me. But they're growing strong because they keep.
takes us when we're down.